they always say to have a sermon in your back pocket. And so I, I, I've always kind of kept that in mind. In fact, uh, Jack Austin, I remember him always saying that because there's many times that he had to, he had to uh, do that. And, but when you're doing a series... It's hard to do that because you can't just pull your, your sermon that you have out of the back pocket. Um, but uh, So we're going to continue our series, and I'm going to do my best that I can to help us go through the uh, 10, which is, do you guys remember what ten, the 10 is? Remember the ten, first 10 commandments? That's right. And uh, I thought it was ironic because today is we're going to be talking about being rested. And I don't know about you guys, but how many of you feel exhausted and maybe have accomplished quite a bit? You feel accomplished and you feel exhausted, all right? Yes. Good morning. morning. Or good evening. Have you gone to sleep yet? Uh, About an hour? About an hour. All right. And uh, how many of you feel exhausted and feel like you maybe haven't got much done? Some of us have, have done that, yeah. And... And the problem with exhaustion, it makes us very dangerous people. And I don't know about you guys, but a few of these things I don't remember that I'm going to tell you about, and some, some of you may. Um, who remembers the Exxon Valdez? The leak, okay? All right. What about Three Mile Island? Is that over in PA? Does that, that was a month before I was born, so I don't remember that. <laughs> and, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure my parents were terrified that they were get, she was, my mom was going to give birth to a mutant or something. Um, and that's still to be seen. Uh, <laughs> uh, close. Uh, what about Chernobyl? Okay. You remember that. And the famous uh, Challenger space shuttle disaster. You remember that. And the first three that I mentioned uh, happened in the middle of the night. And the space shuttle... I don't know if you guys are aware, um, with the Challenger, is that after working 24 hours straight to fix some things, they decided to launch anyway with two to three hours of sleep, and uh, I can't help but think but that that added to the complications of the, the, the disaster. After being exhausted, after working hard, and trying to accomplish something that was so crucial and so important that they maybe didn't have the proper rest that they needed. And I know some of you are sitting in this room, and uh, raise your nine or four fingers if you're missing a digit on your, on your hand. Anybody in here? Yep, Fred? <laughs> um, Sometimes our focus isn't what it needs to be when we're operating uh, machinery or a saw or different things. And the point is that there's many things that uh, distract us and that keep us busy. And we try to go, go, go and accomplish things. And I don't know, I tried to find a sound clip of something that many of you, I was going to have you close your eyes and play the sound clip. And see what you did as soon as you heard the sound clip. It was, you know, the rumble strips on the side of the road? Have you ever found some of those? Have you ever, anybody opened their eyes to the sound of those before? It's even more scary as a passenger. (laughs) But uh, even as a driver. And uh, so sometimes 
we get short and snippy with people when we're tired, right? Has that ever happened to you? Some, some of you, it's tired and hungry. Um, but I know that we ignore our need for the rest of, uh, for rest at the expense of ourselves and sometimes other people. And I know for me, I was fortunate enough that, uh, well, unfortunate that the road that I was driving on didn't have rumble strips, um, and I woke up to a telephone pull into the, into the windshield of the, of, our, of the car I was driving. And fortunately, I was not injured, and nobody else was injured, even, even more so. And we don't take serious enough in our culture the need for rest and the need for uh, renewal and rejuvenation of our body. And we're going to be looking at that today. Um, does anybody know what, what book of the Bible we're in, in, the, in, the, in looking at the Ten Commandments? Anybody? Exodus? Okay. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to get to that in a second, but as I said, we're told from a very young age to work hard and you can accomplish anything, right? In fact, I've even seen on the walls of my kids' school, you can do anything if you put your mind to it, right? And, and there's some truth to that. There's some truth to that. But something that we leave out, and the most important thing that we leave out, is why we're doing it. And for who are we doing it for? And I can't help but think, you know, we're doers. Our society is doers, right? We, we want to do as much as we can with the time that we have. And, but the problem is that we're not human doers. We're human beings, right? And we have to be who Christ has called us to be. And sometimes the lack of rest uh, keeps us from doing just that. Or should I say being just that. Um, Matthew 19.26 Anybody familiar with that passage? I know there's a famous athlete that, uh, that has a clothing brand that has this, this is one of their sayings With man, this is impossible but with God, all things are possible I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength And when I think about my kids striving to do their best at whatever they're doing, whether it's schoolwork or I don't know that I've ever seen them do their best in helping clean around the house, but um, or sports. And I wonder if they're trying to do their best to please me or if they're trying to do their best to please themselves or if they're doing their best to please God. Because all three of those things have different reasons for doing what they're doing. They're pleasing God. They, they could have a terrible game as far as their performance. But if they're pleasing God, how they act when they have that terrible game and how they treat their teammates when they have that terrible game, are that's pleasing our Heavenly Father, right? And it's hard to get... It's, it's really difficult to uh, not get caught up in the things that the world says is important. And to keep our minds focused on what the Lord says is important. So what's the answer to the problem of exhaustion? What do you guys think? Sleep. <laughs> How much sleep? Until you're not exhausted, right? <laughs> and <clears throat> the problem with exhaustion and the answer to it is how do we find rest and renewal 
for not just our bodies, but also our mind and our spirit. And there are many ways to do that. Yes, sleep is definitely definitely one of them. And I I had a couple. I have a couple points here, but I we didn't have time to get them up on the screen. But I want to look at three different things. What does this passage that we're going to look at mean? Why was it given? And how do we keep it? Those are three very important things to to look at as as we read through Scripture. And not only what does it mean to us, but what does it mean for the people of the time that it was written? And that's first and foremost where we have to start. So if you'll uh, turn with me to Exodus 20, we're going to start with verse 8 and go through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do, not do any work. Your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner who is in your, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And the earth and the sea Oh, sorry. And the earth and sea and all that is in them. And rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's pretty straightforward, right? I mean, but if we take it apart and look at it a little bit closer, that we'll see that we have some things that we need to to dive into as far as accomplishing and why it was given. And Jesus gives us some, some input on that. So what does it mean? And we're told that, first and foremost, to observe, if it's still up there, um, you can leave it up there if you want, to observe or to guard or even to remember the Sabbath day. And I know for many of us, it's, that's a fairly easy thing today, thing to do, because on Sunday, what do you do? You get up and you what? You go to church. Right? And that's, that becomes a habit. But for many people... It has become less and less of a habit. And for some people, it's not even on their radar as something that they, of importance that they need to do. And so who was the audience that this was given to? Do you guys, you guys remember? Who was this given to? Moses. And then Moses gave it to the Israelites. And when we look at the, the Israelites and what they had Done. Where was this? Mount Sinai. Remember two weeks ago, and uh, we we saw that what happened prior to them getting the Ten Commandments. Do you remember that they were just taken out of Egypt, right? And they were provided for, and yet they were starting to forget who did that for them. So this is a guideline or a law that was given. It was a Jewish law given to the Israelites so that they wouldn't forget. And uh, at the end of the 11th verse, it says that the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And a lot of times people think and hear the word holy and think that it's, it's something that is, it's just sacred or, you know, something that God did. You know, God is holy. Well, the 
actual term holy is set apart, means set apart. Something that is different, something that is unique, something that is special. And when we are to observe the Sabbath, it's to be set apart from any other day. So it's to be different than any other day. And to take special care because there is significance in it. So how do we do this? The Sabbath means to cease or to stop. And for many of us, that's very hard to do because we just go, 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 right? We continue our day. You know, we go to church, but then the rest of the day is just go back. Some of us work. Some of us uh, do some things that are chores that we were doing uh, the rest of the week because we didn't get, get them finished up. And it was kind of funny. I had a little bit of time last night to spend some time with my dad and brother-in-law. We went up to Boardman to watch some of the uh, cars that, that were going by. And we were coming home and going by the Allegheny Wesleyan College on Woodsdale Road. And it was, it was quarter till 10 or something like that. And I'm like, what is that? Because I'm driving and I see this light going like this. And I'm like, oh man, something, somebody's broke down alongside the road. Here, at quarter till 10 on a Saturday night, there's a guy out there weed whacking with a flashlight. <laughs> He's going like this, going around the trees. And... <laughs> And I'm like, wow, he's trying to get, as I was preparing for this, I'm like, he's trying to get done before his Sabbath. (laughs) Um, And I just think of the things that maybe we need to do or get taken care of or put on the back burner because it's important. For some reason, God designed this day to be important. And not only did God make it holy, but we must keep it holy. And it says that right right in there. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So God made it holy, but it's also our responsibility to keep it holy. So who else who is it for? Is it just for one person? Is it just for the head of the household? No, it's for everybody. Everyone and everyone. Or everyone and everybody. On it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner that is within your gates. So nobody, just nobody, take this day and let it be. To keep it holy, in the biblical sense though, means to dedicate it for worship. Not just, okay, you're keeping it set apart, but what are you keeping it set apart for? You're keeping it set apart for worship. And worship for me and worship's intention when we gather together is to replenish the soul. So we have bodily rest that we need, right? Through through sleep. But we also have our soul that needs taken care of and we need spiritual rest. So it's a day to stop doing your ordinary business, your ordinary everyday life. Leviticus 23.3 calls the Sabbath a day of sacred assembly. The Sabbath is a day to rejuvenate not just the body but also the spirit. And uh, I don't know if many of you have read uh, Eugene Peterson 
Uh, he explains it this way. The Sabbath. And this is, to me, just beautiful. Because like, how he constructs the words in this sentence just flows so well. And you have to pay attention. I, I don't know about you guys, but easy reads are fun, right? Because you can just read through them fast in the short books. But the short books sometimes have the most eloquent structuring because it's condensed into smaller sentences, smaller chapters, but it still says a lot. And to be challenged with that. So Eugene Peterson explains it this way. Uncluttered time and space to distance ourselves from the frenzy of our own activities so we can see what God was and is doing. Got that? Uncluttered time and space to distance ourselves from the frenzy of our own activities so we can see what God was and is doing. If we don't regularly quit work, quit work, one day a week, we take ourselves far too seriously. The moral sweat pouring off our brow blinds us to primal action, to the primal action of God in and around us. And I, I think of that, the moral sweat is blinding us because we're striving to do so many things. And sometimes that's very true. So what's interesting about this and the scripture that we have is that this was given to the Israelites, but God had woven the Sabbath in from day one. Actually. No, what day? Day seven, right? Day seven. On the seventh day, God rested. So even before the Israelites were given this law, there were God had already incorporated this into our time. So, his example through the creation account, he rested on the seventh day. Adam and Eve even had a day of rest in paradise, okay? How many of you have ever felt like that? Like you've been in paradise, you've been on vacation somewhere, and you just feel like you still need rest, right? (laughs) Because you're doing so much stuff, all right? And then also with the Israelites in the desert, um, every day but one day of the week, he provided manna for them that they had to go gather up and... The one day he didn't, so they had to rest. So even before this law was given, God had incorporated the Sabbath and a day of rest into our existence. So how do we keep the Sabbath? Jesus was in the habit of uh, observing the Sabbath himself. And I don't know how many times that we see Jesus um, going into the, the synagogue or the temple to, to worship, to corporately worship. And I think about that and I'm like, even Jesus needed to be with other people. And yeah, he spoke a lot of times, but a lot of times he listened. So that he could also, especially as a kid, you remember? Uh, he would go every day. And then one day he was found, what, teaching. And I think that that's an example for many of us is that we don't necessarily have to go to church to teach, but there is application to our lives. And we see that all throughout Christ, Christ's life. Um, the Pharisees um, had also created an elaborate code of restrictions to what you can and what you can't do um, with, uh, do on the Sabbath. 
And I, I kind of equate this to some of the, some of the laws that are created um, on our roadways. It seems like they just want to create things uh, to create things. But uh, like speed limits. I don't know why we need speed limits. <laughs> but no, seriously, we, uh, God created the Sabbath. But how many of us just like speed limits? Pay attention to them, and there is an important there is an importance to both of them: safety, security, and life given through them. So, the Pharisees, as I said, they would they would make things. Well, they're doing that. Jesus' disciples were gathering uh, grain one day because they were hungry, and the Pharisees were like, were saying. You know, they're breaking the law, and Jesus said no. And that's when he told the story of the uh, Israelites, him providing manna, and that I will provide everything for you. And as the disciples gathered, and he said, wouldn't you even feed the hungry? And this is where Jesus, his view on the Sabbath was very different from the Jewish law. The Jewish law said nothing, absolutely nothing. The Pharisees said, you can't do anything. And Jesus had a different take on that, and we're going to look at that. In Mark uh, 27, Jesus explained to, this, to them, "This I love when there's a twist on words, and Jesus was the master of that. He said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. Meaning, the Sabbath is for and created for the good of the human. The human isn't supposed to be adhering to the Sabbath just because it is. The Sabbath is God's love for us and giving us a day of rest and, giving, and telling us, yes, it's okay. So, so God rested on the seventh day after he had created everything. And... Especially working with kids, they're like, God needed to rest? And I'm like, no. Do you think God, who spoke things into being, really needed to rest? No. What was he doing? He was showing us that it's okay. It was an example that you take the time to observe the creation. And that's what that day of rest was, was a day of to observe what he had created. And that's what our Sabbath is too, is to observe and to give credit to the things that God has done in our lives. And uh, so the purpose for the Sabbath is for spiritual refreshment, not legalism and slavery. And that was what where people were getting it wrong and where Jesus came out and said, no, it's not... You can't do these things. It's, I don't want you to do these things because they are good for you. It is good for you to stop working. It's good for you to acknowledge. But there's different, there's even more to it than that. So some of you have been following along in your Bibles. Might have caught that I skipped over a section of the passage. Anybody see that? Does anybody recognize any discrepancy of what the passage says and what we're doing? What, what's today? What is today? 
Sunday, which is what day of the week? First, right? And what does the Sabbath say in the law, the Jewish law? The seventh day. So, we're kind of messed up, aren't we? See you guys later. See you next Saturday. (laughs) Right? We're done. But, and this is, this is probably one of the most uh, easiest things and difficult things to understand at the same time as far as why we worship on Sunday. And does anybody know what happened on a Sunday nearly 2,000 years ago? Unless, what? The resurrection. That's right. And we see in the book of Acts that the early church had moved to the Sabbath to be on the day of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. And we have taken that because, not because of one time that we see in Acts, but we're going to go through a couple passages here where um, Paul calls us. And, and it goes back to the, also the legalism of, of, of the Sabbath. What was God's purpose for the Sabbath? To find restoration of the soul and of the body, right? So, on the seventh day, well, I'm sorry, on the sixth day, we work our tails off, right? And what do we do on Saturday, the seventh or the, the sixth day? What do we do usually? Still work our tails off, right? We're at home working our tails off. Some of us have to work on Saturdays. And that's all fine and dandy, <laughs> if you will. Um, there was a man that invented the chicken sandwich. Does anybody know who that man is? No, it was not Colonel Sanders. You know what's crazy about that? Colonel Sanders, I went through KFC the other day, and I just wanted a chicken sandwich. You know, just a chicken sandwich. You know, they, they have the little sliders, which are more breaded than chicken. And uh, they don't have a chicken sandwich at KFC. Just a simple chicken sandwich. Sorry, squirrel. <laughs> um, Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy, in 19... Let's see, let me get this date right. In 1946, I believe, Truett Cathy said... I'm sorry, 48. He said, I'm going to show mercy to my employees because that's part of the, the observing the Sabbath. We're going to look at the three things. And he said, I'm going to give my employees a day off. And a lot of employers would say, what? Well, they can find their day off whenever they, when they have their day off. But he said, no, I'm going to give all my employees because when you, what has to happen when you have an organization that big? You have to have shipments of, of your chicken. It has to be fresh. And so all throughout, there's a day that nobody can have off. There's somewhere along there. So he said he's going to provide a day off for all his employees. Now, how many millions of dollars do you think Chick-fil-A loses because they're not open on Saturday? Have you guys ever seen Chick-fil-A's lines, drive-through lines? Like, it's impossible to get in. And I think that's partly because they know they're closed one day a week, so they better get it now. Um, But it's one of those things where... As a business owner, he said, no, I'm going to take seriously the Sabbath, and I'm going to have mercy on my employees and care for them 
so that they can have a day with their family, a day for worship. And I think if a CEO of a company like that can take that big of a stand for his Sabbath and for the Sabbath, Sabbath of others, that maybe we could do that too and do that a little bit better ourselves for our, in our own lives. So as I said, in, in Acts 20 we read, On the first day of the week we came together to break bread. So Paul tells us that on the first day of the week they came together to break bread to remember Christ's sacrifice and to worship together. And in 1 Corinthians Paul says, On the first day of the week we set aside monies according to our income for our offering that will be taken up. And in Revelation 1.10 we're told that they gather together on the Lord's day. And I think that sometimes we, we say the Sabbath, you know, when we, we're going to take a time, our time off. You know, I'm gonna, my Sabbath is today. And I think in Revelation they have the correct term that I'm going to start using for my Sabbath, and it's the Lord's day. Because it's centered in giving that day fully to the Lord and recognizing all that he has done. The New Testament believers um, uniquely throughout the New Testament say the Lord's Day. Because it was different than the Jewish law known as the Sabbath. So they're saying we're going to set this day aside from being a legalistic day where we're not supposed to do anything and make go down our checklist and make sure we don't do this and we don't do that to I'm just going to surrender my day, my life wholly to the Lord and in prayer. So, first of all, the day the Sabbath is a day of rest. It's a day to catch our breath. So if you're a full-time homemaker, um, it's a weird term. I don't know because are you really making the home? I mean, I don't know. It's, it's weird to me. If you're full-time, uh, if you're doing laundry every day, if you're doing cleaning the house every day, it means don't do that for a day. It's the ordinary. You're, do, you're, you're, doing, you're not doing the ordinary things that you do every other day of the week. So take the time off and don't do it. What about a student? Don't do homework. Don't do papers that long papers you have to read or write book many books that you have to read. Don't do it. Now, we can say that for students that they'll be like, "Yeah, sorry, professor, couldn't do it because uh, it's my Sabbath. It was the Lord's day. I couldn't do it. Sorry." Do you think that excuse will fly? What, what do we as parents, or what would, the, what would the professor say? You had what? How many other days of the week? Six days to do it and get it done. So it's not a matter of not hustling or not doing your best and pushing forward. Because you can do those, do those things the other days of the week. And I think for, sometimes for me, it's you don't have to hustle as much, Right? those six days of the week, if you know you have the extra day that you can catch up on. But if you know and you're going to take seriously your 
Sabbath, the Lord's Day, that you're going to bust your tail to get done what you need to get done. The things that Lord, the Lord's called us to do in our lives. So, what do you do? Do things that refuel your body, your mind, and your soul. And I don't know about some of you, uh, some of you, if you like to take a walk, if you like to go hiking, like to ride a bike, um, watch movies, garden, all of those things that you enjoy doing. And I'm going to read you a quote from Jay Packer, and he said, We should choose activities that bring us closest to God. So it's not just filling that void with fun things. It's not just filling that day with, you know, going to Cedar Point, but you hate riding roller coasters. You know? Why would you go to Cedar Point if that's not something you enjoy? And if it's not going to... Well, some people say that'll bring you closer to God. But... uh, (laughs) But uh, if it's not something that you're going to recognize God in, then maybe you should not do it. Maybe you should do things that will, will bring you closer to God. So, it's a day of rest. Sabbath is also a day of worship. As we said, it's not just a day off, which many of us enjoy. It's not just a day off. But it's a day of worship. It's a day to gather together and worship the Lord and hear His Word. And I know many of us have been like, I just want to sleep in today because I'm tired, right? Even on Sunday mornings, you're like, I'm tired. I'm just going to sleep in. But worship is part of our Sabbath as well, to gather together. And we see that uh, through Jesus' example of going and worshiping corporately. Um, we live in a world obsessed, obsessed sorry, with leisure, obsessed with recreation. So much so that there is a multi-billion dollar um, market for that. We have anything you want to go do recreationally available to us at our fingertips. We have stores popping up that has anything. If you're interested in any kind of activity... You could go to Dick's Sporting Good and find something to do there. Something. From horseshoes to kayaking to ping pong. Whatever it is, they have it. And yet, do you see that we live in a culture that is obsessed with recreation, but yet we are also a culture that is exhausted, extremely exhausted? So it's not just recreation and fun things that are going to give us rejuvenation and rest. But it's centering our souls in the Lord. The biblical view of rest is one that includes a recognition and appreciation of God and fellowship with His people. So recognition of God and fellowship with His people. And I know there are a lot of... um, Guys that um, ride motorcycles, and every, every how many of you have ever heard of a Christian motorcycle gang? Right, you've heard you've heard of them, and you're thinking, right, that's just an excuse, <laughs> excuse to go ride motorcycles. Let me tell you, there's a lot of ministry that goes on in those clubs. 
And I think of even the sports that we have, NASCAR, all these sports that are happening on, Sunday, happening on Sundays. And to make it fun for people. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but NASCAR is one of those sports that I just love. Like, I get into it so much that I can't help but just be totally relaxed and fall asleep. I mean, it's, it's, one, of the, it's one of my favorite Sunday afternoon things to do is to turn on NASCAR. Well, second to golf. I, I like watching golf or trying to watch golf. And so recreation is not the answer. But even at the same time, those NASCAR guys, they wake up on a Sunday morning. And I, I've... I don't personally know, but I know of several pastors that go and minister to those to the group of group of guys, and they're still gathering together for worship. And it may be finding your your day of rest, and because many people have to work on Sundays and things, Sunday cannot be your day of rest. But you can find a day of rest, and you can still worship together with people. So. The biblical view of rest, make sure we get that. It's not just taking it easy. It includes recognition and appreciation of God and fellowship with his people. So lastly, I said, um, so we have a day of rest, it's a day of worship, and it's a day of mercy. And just as I said with uh, Truett Cathy, um, showing mercy on others, on his we think of mercy as like a pity party. That's not what mercy is. Mercy is doing for somebody that you don't have to do something, but you're going to do it anyway because you know that it's going to better them as an individual. And just as Jesus did, he welcomed hurting people, visited them, and provided for those in need on his Sabbath. So it's not an excuse for us to turn away from people in need because, well, sorry, it's the Sabbath. Jewish law says, well, that's the problem. The intention of the Sabbath was not to be legalistic. It was to have the heart of Jesus in saying that I am going to care for my brothers and my neighbors and I'm going to love God through doing those things for them. I want to close... um, with a paragraph from an article that I have. Um, and after that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close with a word of prayer. But during our hymn of invitation, if anybody feels like they just feel like they need to put forth their faith and their trust in God to take a Sabbath and that we maybe haven't been doing the best that you, you could and remember what's at stake is our soul. Yeah, our, our body is weary, but sometimes I think our souls are even wearier because we don't take the time to be centered in the Lord. So this, this uh, quote is called, The Better Way. Someone once told the story of a man who was approached by a beggar on the street. The man reached into his pocket to see what he had. He found $7. Feeling sorry for the beggar, he held out six bills and said, You can have this. 
So not only did the beggar grab the $6, but with the other hand, hit the guy in the face and grab the seventh dollar as well. What do you think about the beggar's actions? How could he be so ungrateful and greedy? But is the beggar all that different from the person, possibly us, who has been rescued by the grace of Jesus, but then grabs not just six days of the week, but all seven? There's a better way to live a deeper, more peaceful, life-centered, life, a life centered on the fourth commandment. God gave us the Sabbath, and now we have to guard it, keeping it as a day of rest, a day of worship, and a day of showing mercy. How freeing is it to know that God has provided this day of rest and rejuvenation for us in our weekly calendar? Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for providing for us, for loving us. Even when we don't deserve it, Lord, you continually provide a way back to you. Father, forgive us uh, for the times that we uh, have put ourselves before you and your desires for us. Lord, help us to uh, honor you on our day of rest, on our Sabbath. Help us to show mercy. Help us to care for others. And Father, I just thank you for uh, the example that you, you have given us through your word. From the beginning of creation, to Adam and Eve, to the Israelites even into the New Testament with Jesus, showing us the true purpose and the true meaning of why we need a Sabbath. And we're not to be the judge of when we need it. But you were. And you said we can go no longer than six days without a day of rest. Father, help us to uh, not just be obedient, but help us to surrender our hearts and our lives to do your will for our lives. I just thank you for this day. I thank you for these people that have come uh, to worship you on your day, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, Amen.